0: Welcome to Dr. Jeffrey Roth's Looking Good and Feeling Great podcast, live from Las Vegas, with his co-host, Daryl Craig-Harris.
1: Hi, this is Dr. Jeffrey Roth, your board-certified plastic surgeon in Las Vegas, Nevada, and we're at it again.
0: Yes, and we're actually um, we're, we're tooling away. We've actually got quite a few downloads. I think we've almost reached 75,000. It's really exciting.
1: That's very exciting. So everybody that's within the sound of my voice, thank you for for uh, making this happen. And uh, and please tell your friends. We like to think we were putting some good stuff out there. Uh, and so by all means, um, tell your friends. And if you have something that uh, interests you or something you want to hear about or a question, please go ahead and, uh, and give us a call. And we're happy to go ahead and get that done.
0: Yeah, it's exciting because, you know, there's a lot of interest about um, – well, the medical field in general, but also plastic surgery, obviously. Sure. And there's a lot of, uh, I guess, you know, misconceptions and all sorts of different things. And uh, one of the things we did this week was actually we filmed you doing surgery, doing a breast reduction. Yes. Which was my first. It was it was an interesting and fun process. How do, how do you feel? I was good. You know, I, I think, uh, you know, I didn't know how I was going to react exactly because it is surgery. Watching that is is an interesting adventure, but. It was a lot of interesting things for me. One of them was uh, marking the patient, all that kind of thing that you have to do to make a successful surgery. Can you kind of walk us through that process?
1: Sure. It was uh, an experience for me as well. I have kind of resisted for years and years having cameras in the operating room, et cetera, et cetera. Right. Although many of my uh, peers have done that for years, et cetera. And again, it, it depends on how you frame it. And, and of course, the patient is always paramount. And so whatever right. they're comfortable with is they're the boss. Yeah. So that's step one. Uh, but there are a particular patients She was an absolute uh, sweetheart, and uh, she was very much into uh, the educational aspect of all of this because she says, well, I want people to see this because this was my journey that I went through. And so she, of course, right. was thinking about this for quite a long time, uh, et cetera, et cetera, had uh, a couple kids, and with kids, sometimes um, you'll get bigger breasts, and sometimes they will droop, and so... What uh, we do with our breast reduction, and some of these folks are, are thankful, uh, happiest patients, is, is uh, one, it's the pendulousness. It's not just the mass, but it's also the pendulousness of the breast, right. which I think uh, really hurts their neck and all that stuff. So if you, it's like a backpack and the, and the straps are too long. Right. And you put the straps back where they're supposed to be, and then it's where it's supposed to be on the chest. Things feel better. So
0: yeah, because she mentioned she had a lot of years of back pain and issues, right?
1: Broad strapping and back pain, and all sure. that kind of good stuff. And so, with one operation, you're able to really uh, help somebody and make a hmm. big, uh, big uh, moment happen in their life. So, and that's what that's what really has always kept me coming back, so able to make a difference. But to your point is is yeah is is preoperative planning, perioperative planning is always important um you know from the first time we meet uh talking about the uh, different aspects of the surgery what to expect are you a candidate are right. you on any drugs that would preclude you okay so once we get past that hurdle okay that sounds great you're a candidate let's go to the operating room what plan are we going to do how big do you want to be etc cetera, etc cetera. uh day of operation uh, again uh, as you saw we went ahead measure 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 uh they told me a long time ago that a good carpenter measures twice and cuts once, right? And so that's what we really subscribe to. So you see that we check and we check and we recheck again, uh, and uh, and and we do that.
0: What I liked about that too in that process was that you kind of used that time to reassure her. You, I liked your whole tone. You kind of set a nice tone for her. So because of course they're going to be nervous. Sure. And do you find that to be really important pre-op? Oh,
1: absolutely! Because people come in anxious, and people, it's you know, again, it's a dark room. So if we can go ahead and turn turn a light on in that dark room, and sure, it's not so scary. And again, for me, it's like going to the office. And frankly, I'd rather be in the OR than the office uh, most days. Right? Most surgeons would. So uh, for me, that's that's the fun part doing this. As well as I actually like talking to patients, some guys don't. So for me, it's it's nice to have the interaction. But but yeah, so you're you're there. Uh, It's a strange environment. They tell you, oh, by the way, take off your clothes and put this thing on. So it's it's oh, we're going to put an IV into you. Like right, the whole thing is 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 so it's it's a surreal kind of experience all around. So I, as the kind of familiar face, oh, I've seen him before. Well, that's my doctor. Right. I uh, say, yeah, no, this is what we're going to do, and this is, in and, and we basically review the plan. Mm-hmm. Uh, I show them the preoperative photos. We measure, measure, measure. I explain the measurements, and I basically go over some of the post-op planning too. Okay, yes, you can eat. We'll go ahead and talk to your ride home to tell him or her what we're doing with drains, et cetera, et cetera. Right. Basically, just try to inform people best we can so that for. Well, warned is forearmed, is basically they know what's coming next, and so it's not so scary.
0: Right. And do you find that a lot of women that, especially for uh, well not only breast talks and that kind of thing but do they come in really pretty prepared a lot of research already done on their part it ha- depends how is that
1: there are some there's a wide variety of folks mm-hmm. like oh hey i just thought about this the other day mm-hmm. two folks would come in folks that come in with dossiers uh, right because uh, they've of, been they've been wanting to do it for years and, years yeah. i mean especially some of the moms that you know i've been thinking this since my first kid 15 right. years ago i've been Thinking about, I mean, depending on the surgery, whether it's breast reduction, whether it's breast augmentation, breast augmentation relift, uh otoplasty, which is the ear pinning. Some folks have been thinking about this almost their whole lives. Sure. And so they, they finally, starts with an idea, and it starts with talking with, some most times it's talk with family and friends, and then it's uh, the internet search, which can be good or bad. <laughs> yeah. uh, and then right. uh, they thankfully wind up in a board-certified plastic surgeon's office Um, And there, it's, you know, are you a candidate? You know, all those dreams, hopes, expectations. Are you a candidate to actually go ahead and do this and do this safely? Right. So for me, to go to the operating room, it's got to be two things. It's got to be safe and effective if... It's not safe if uh, she's got blood thinner on because she just had a heart condition. Well, guess what? She's not going to the operating room. Sure. Uh, and it has to be effective. Yeah, because it is elective surgery. It's elective surgery. Right. And I have to be effective. I have to go ahead and say, I'm going to take you to the operating room, and I'm going to go ahead and make this look different. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I think it's going to look better and come out nice. Otherwise, it's not worth going. It, it, because it's not, we talk about indications for surgery, the whys, sure, right? right? Gunshot wound, you got to go, got to go fast, right? Sure. Cancers, cancer's got to move fast. So in aesthetic surgery, we have the luxury of time Mm -hmm. that we're able to, okay, well, let's get you off the blood thinner, et cetera, et cetera. Let's get you to the cardiologist and get you to be the best you that that patient can be. So in that regard, that is really a blessing that we have over in the aesthetic surgery world.
0: Yeah. And also, I mean, part of that I would imagine too, is creating realistic expectations also about, um, you know, post-surgery recovery. Can you talk a little bit about that, how you deal with that with patients?
1: Sure. So the expectations, I think management expectations is key. And, and I like to, and I tell staff all the time, is we like to, you know, under-promise and over-deliver wherever we, wherever we can. And most folks nowadays are, to your point, well-informed. They've probably seen two or three other plastic surgeons they've been through the internet they've been on the asps site or the asap site mm-hmm. so they have an idea of the conduct of the operation where we're going now some folks come in and go doc just fix it and some other folks are like <laughs> right. oh i want a 325 cc implant you know high profile may by a guy named bob and you're like okay well wait a minute you know where that come from <laughs> exactly... so again you're kind of all over the, uh, all over the place sure the reasonable expectations yeah is this oh you know can i get my breast lifted without scars well no you know, well I don't want to scru- well, okay, we have to talk about that. Right. Um, and see what everybody's different threshold is uh, for that for that sort of thing. Um, there are girls that come in, you know, we're talking about breast stuff with a couple of bananas and they wanna look okay. like Carmen Electra and you're like right. okay. So you know, we can get from you know point A to point B, but not necessarily to point C. Okay, right. And again, it depends if they've had four kids, if they've been smokers, if they've uh, if they've been on steroids, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. And that's where the reality comes in, and that's where the um, consult is so important because you then hopefully you've seen this before, you have some judgment, et cetera, et cetera, and you can basically paint a picture of okay, these are what the what you can actually expect. Because what you don't want is expectations to be high, the um, reality to be lower, and that gap there is a surprise. Right, and
0: eliminate as much surprise as possible.
1: Sadness lives there, and surprise lives there, and so that's not where you what you want to be in that. Sure. Now things happen, right? So there's a one percent. percent infection rate so you do 200 cases a year that's two
0: right okay? and, if you're, and it, if you're one of the two and if it's one if you're one
1: of the two that's 100 percent for you exactly. right and it's 100 percent issue so uh, so and, and yes we you know we we get some effect thankfully rarely and less than most but uh i'd be lying here if i said that. oh yeah no i do you know scarless painless you know uh yeah surgery with no so no so there's the, so you have to go ahead and paint a proper picture uh of folks um of what to expect first post-op the first three th- typically the first three days out of any operation stink right so yeah. okay, you're hurting you're sore you know you're not pooping yet etc cetera, etc cetera. okay so that's fine uh and then there things get better and better and better and depending on of course the Extent of the operation, etc. But then, you know, some folks are like, "Oh, geez, I'll get my surgery Friday and I'll be back at work Monday." No, right. it doesn't work that yeah, way.
0: Yeah, because you want you want the results. I mean, that's a big part of it too. Is is you I know, obviously, you have to explain to them like there is a recovery period, and if you don't respect that, right. you're going to cause problems. Right,
1: and gals, especially gals, some guys, but gals uh, come in later, usually on the revision, go, I didn't listen the first time around. Right. I was messing around, you know, on day six, day seven, something happened. I should have been. Yeah, and so they're like, mm, next time. And so I'm like, oh, you know, can I put you on the website and tell everybody else? So, so yeah, and again, <laughs> yeah. I don't say things to be a meanie, you know, yeah. or something. It's a matter of, hey, we've done this a thousand times before. And right. so in our uh, you know, a belt-shaped curve, this is kind of what works is, you know, not doing, you know, back handsprings on day three, you know, yeah. that, that kind of stuff. And
0: like any, I mean, it, it is an investment. I mean, they're investing in, in their body and, and that kind of thing. And, and they, you definitely want to create a situation where they're going to have the, possibly the best outcome that can happen.
1: Oh, absolutely. Happen. It's it's time, it's energy, it's effort. And we say that all the time is get your universe in line. In other words, you know, get mom to come in to help with the kids. Uh, get, you know, get coverage for you at work so that you can concentrate you know, your job should be going ahead and recovering from the surgery, right. uh, and not you know having to run after six kids. Sure. And, yeah, you, you know, need to, to be able to
0: switch that off right, for a and to in
1: diapers and uh, be lunch. <laughs> and so, so yeah, and so, right. so I tell people all the time they really have to get their ducks in a row. Mm-hmm. And we're happy to help. You know, as far as hey, I think I need some help. Can I get a nurse? Okay, fine. Hey, right. I need one of those uh, lazy boy recliners that you go ahead and pull a lever and it kind of springs you out of it. Okay, so we we can help. The thing is, yeah. is and we talk. To those folks about okay, who do you have at home? What are you going to do? How are you going to help?
0: So it's really a holistic approach. It's not just about doing sure. the surgery. It's and some people don't
1: realize what I mean. I can't go ahead and uh, you know pick up a roast and move it. You know, so you know Thanksgiving's <laughs> coming. So it's it's all of that. Right. Uh, so preoperative, perioperative planning uh i like to think paramount and gets us our, our ducks in a row
0: what about um as a subject of pain management post-surgery well one thing is people getting addicted to pain medication which i'm sure you're aware of that that sure. as a potential thing but how do you deal with pain management? what's what's the uh i guess what's the advice what's the approach for you
1: it's all a part and again talking about perioperative or by perioperative i mean before during after the case right so that is a key to the perioperative world. Now, number one is, is people don't want to be nauseous. Now, even right. more than pain, people don't want to be nauseous. And so the anesthesia guys and gals and the plastic surgery guys and gals have really, I think, focused on postoperative nausea and vomiting, right? So even if, if you do the great surgery and they get a great result, they like, oh, man, I was sick as hell and blah, 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 right. blah. And that's not a good experience, number one. People would rather be in pain than be nauseous. So, yeah. so nowadays, before, during, and after the case, the anesthesiologist will give you all sorts of medicine for that. We don't use some of the gases that we used to cause nausea before. So we're at least aware of that. People are more hydrated. And, and so basically for us, the nausea thing is key. So before, during, and after, we really try to knock that down. Okay, great. So now that we have the nausea in control, let's talk about pain management. So it's still surgery. So yes, now some folks are like, Doc, I took two Tylenol. That was it. Yeah, so, yeah everybody's so different with Everybody's that. so different. Yeah. So that's step one. Step two, some people come in with pain management issues or they're on uh, pain pills and stuff, and we'll talk about that in a second. But the garden variety gal that or guy that comes in, yes, you're gonna have some surgical pain because I'm a nice guy, but I took a knife to you, right? Right. And then two, depending on the operation, for example breast dogs, okay. Well, we put them underneath the muscle. They're going to spasm a little bit. So what do we do? We give not pain medicine. We go ahead and in the operating room, we actually put a numbing medicine in there. Hmm. It's half percent markane, So it lasts for a little while so that it kind of numbs the area on the inside. So they don't start that. You kind of get ahead of it. So you of the game, get right. ahead of it. So that's step one. That's a non-penalty move. Uh, then number two is pain medicine afterwards, of course. But we also give muscle relaxers. And the muscle relaxers, I found, to be really important in uh, breast surgery, especially uh, underneath the muscle, et cetera. So right. we can keep people out of spasm. We can keep them out of pain, and they use the less pain medicine.
0: Yeah, because that, that would be the last thing you would want right. after post the, the right. spasm aspect.
1: Exactly. And then uh, tummy tucks. Tummy tucks a big incision. It's it's mm-hmm. great operation. We also put the muscles back where they're supposed to be. So we give people um, muscle relaxers there as well, because mm-hmm. sometimes that will go into spasm. And we used to do this thing called a pain pump, which was like this ball of marcaine again, which is a numbing medicine. And it would drizzle out a little bit of... And you took a couple of catheters and a ball. And it would drizzle out about a cc to three cc's an hour of oh. this pain medicine for three days, right. which was great. And that helped helped a lot. And now they came up with a stuff called expirel, hmm. which is a drug, which is basically that same stuff, but suspended in this lipid sort of stuff. So in other words, it lasts for about three days. Oh, good and I so did. now we go ahead... During surgery, we inject it all around the wound and the incision and all that stuff, and so people have a lot less pain uh, for three days, and they love that. And there's less narcotics, right. so there's less um,
0: chances of having issues.
1: One chance of having issues, but then two, also um, uh, constipation, all that stuff that comes with it. Yep. Uh, and then the other thing too is, is you're not going to get hooked on three days worth of uh, worth of schedule two narcotics right. if you have pain, right? where guys and gals get in trouble is is they take it electively or they get hooked on because they take a little bit too much or a long period of time, et cetera, right. et cetera. So typically for the acute pain, surgical pain that we go through and chronic pain is a whole different subject. Right. Uh, and they have a whole, you know, branch of medicine for that. But if we're talking surgically created, Acute pain, we're usually able to go ahead and get people from the schedule two narcotics off, and it's okay to take them for a little while, right? Right. I guess you sometimes you decision. just you do
0: need that. You have
1: to. Right. I mean, thank God we have them. Sure. But the thing is, is too, is to use them when you need them, right. not use them, you know, when when you. And know. if
0: you're going to write the prescription, you do it for a few days, not a month.
1: Well, oh, yeah, and so yeah, I'm a little nutty so about that because yeah. I see people back in three days, then I write them a new prescription in seven days, and especially in Nevada, they have a whole bunch of different laws because of that sort of thing, and sure. so it, they, we've all really tightened down. But having said that, we've come up with alternative solutions so that people aren't in, you know, a ton of pain and agony. Right. After I mean, surgery. it's
0: great now that there's so many different options. It's not because it used to be. I, I would imagine that most doctors would just turn immediately to the pain pills. Yeah. But now we know that yeah. the issues that, that sure. come with that, so.
1: and and those folks that. Uh, that specialize in this have really kind of shown us the way. And uh, the other thing, too, is is some folks come in, like, Doc, you know, I've had this back injury, da-da-da-da-da, I'm on X that I take every day, And, uh, and they go to a pain doc, and so they'll have a typically they'll have a contract with that pain doc saying, "Hey, I can't get pain pills anywhere else, right? right?" And so then we work with that pain doc saying, "Hey, I'm going to I'm a nice guy, but I'm going to go ahead and uh, cause some additional pain here, and then they, because they're the experts, will go ahead and manage Adjust, that. Right. So and so, but now we have a whole division of medicine." with literature and science background that actually does that and does a really good job with that. Right. So typically people shouldn't be afraid of pain in, in as much as we can, uh, uh acute surgical elective surgery pain because we can manage that pretty well.
0: Yeah, I think ma- it seems like management of that is – management is actually the key word. Yeah. You're not going to make it go away, but you can definitely no. make it where it and you, you can sleep and, and you can right. do what you got to do.
1: And you shouldn't and, because when I was a general surgery resident and we were doing big trauma surgeries and do doing liver resection, all kinds of stuff – Basically, you you give pain medicine because otherwise it really hurts. But two is you give pain medicine medicine for breathing. And what I mean by that is on a 1 to 10 scale, you want the pain to be about 3 or 4. Yeah, I had a big operation. I got some pain, right? right? If the pain's a 10, they're not breathing. Okay, and that's bad. They get pneumonia and all that. Stuff. Sure. If you completely schnocker them, okay, and their pain is a zero, they're not breathing, and that's not really good. <laughs> right. So basically, that's you want it zone. Yeah, you right. want it right. That that exactly right. You want to titrate to effect. You want to titrate to about three or four, and I am breathing, and They're making me cough. It's a little uncomfortable. Like, and they're
0: able to sleep and do it. That, right.
1: right. So yeah, exactly right. So yeah, you don't. Nobody wants to you know, torture patients by any stretch. But but the thing is, is you you want to go ahead and titrate the good and the bad hmm. with all of that.
0: Um. Another subject is actually, um, and our, our your office manager Jamie put our list together today, but there's some good stuff on here. And one of the things was um, what to look for when you're choosing a surgeon. Um, what do you? What are some of the top things you advise people? I mean, obviously they're coming to see you, but then they're also asking you advice about other surgeons, that kind of thing. What are some of the top things that you? You would suggest them to look for sure. when seeking out a surgeon.
1: Sure. Uh, now, and we're talking about you know elective plastic surgery, et cetera, et cetera, because that's what I kind of do most. Sure. So, with that, you want to go ahead and uh, find yourself a doctor who. It uh, can do the operation, uh, does enough of these operations, uh, et cetera, et cetera. So uh, a good starting point, you know, can be family and friends. It can be your regular family practice doc or a primary care doc. Uh, and that's okay. Okay. Right. And, but if I was to say, all right, well, I've been thinking about thinking about it. Hmm, um, the first thing I would do is just go to the website of the American Society for Plastic Surgeons, uh, of Plastic Surgeons, ASPS, okay? mm-hmm. which is, I think, plas- uh, PlasticSurgery.org. Anyways, so so ASPS, American Society of Plastic Surgeons, uh, because that website has all, all the people on there are board-certified plastic surgeons. Right. The other website that I like to do is ASAPS, the American Society for Aesthetic Plastic Surgery. All those folks are, again, board-certified plastic surgeons that specialize in aesthetic surgery, so those two sites are really good. They have lots of good information about the procedures themselves, and then the docs and all that sort of stuff. So, so that's the place to go, and that's a safe place, wise, because everybody there is board certified in plastic surgery. Right. They've done, they've done a complete plastic surgery residency. They have graduated from it. They've took the plastic surgery boards, et cetera, et cetera. So those guys are bona fide and gals are board certified uh folks and that's the the, the first start
0: and we've and actually and we've talked about that before but the board certified thing is really important and yeah. i know and we have some of the I, I won't say tv surgeons but tv surgeons some are some aren't right we, so, we, won't, we won't name them but i mean but right. that, that does Right. so yeah, point, and, right. and
1: so yeah, now they may have a terrific uh, Instagram account or they may have a terrific webpage, blah, blah, blah. Right. but when the rubber heats the road, when the knife heats the skin, you want the guy or gal to really kind of know what they're doing. Yeah. So, and, and the reason I think for uh, Jeffrey things that that you get a board certified person is because they've seen, they've been there, done that, and, and one is they can re- recognize problems and then fix them, mm-hmm. okay, uh, because if you get injections in your butt in the back of a tile shop and something goes wrong right. where are you going okay so that's where you're going with that but more importantly oftentimes um we can go ahead and detect issues before we even go to the operating room and that's why you've been in my office we sit down and it drives my office manager crazy i spend too way too much time with the, the patient right but we talk about history and physical and the and the, uh, the drugs you're on and wait a minute you know, tell me about that again. Oh, it's just it maybe a throwaway comment. But all of a sudden, like, no, 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 wait a minute. Let's explore that. Right. And so that may push us one way or another. And people forget um, to tell you things and stuff. But that's why. And sometimes they'll bring it. family
0: members. The family member will say, oh, yeah, what? That was that one time you had that problem. Oh, happens
1: all the time. <laughs> with, the, uh, with the anesthesia. <laughs> I mean, the classic. Yeah, I mean, the classic stuff. Yeah, no, we've we've detected. I mean, we find stuff. I mean, we find cancer. We find blood problems. We find stuff. Yeah, the classic is, is you know, the guy comes in, and especially on general surgery. And I said, any sir, any sir, previous surgeries or no? And he's got a big scar from his throat <laughs> down to you know he had see, There was a surgery. bypass, <laughs> right? Was a, and, and so the wife usually goes, well, what about the thing? You know, you remember your right. heart stopped? like, yeah. ah. I know.
0: Well, okay, well that's and an particularly issue. with men, right? right? Oh, yeah, I said, yeah, guys
1: are the worst. So having said that, yeah, so so that's that's one thing uh, is to is to go ahead and uh, find yourself a board certified plastic surgeon. So step one. From there, I like, you know, going and selecting out. Now you can get to their websites. You can see where they trained. You can see when they got boarded and what years there were, et cetera, et cetera. Um, so that's a good thing. Uh, and then you can pick out, I like picking out two or three folks and, and going and seeing them. Because right. with elective surgery, the patient's the boss. So sure. she, he or she are interviewing you. Okay, and so they can yeah, go to a doctor. You
0: are literally hiring them for a job, right.
1: So right. yeah, so yeah, so we're like you know roofers, you know, or something like that. You get three <laughs> estimates. So uh, basically, so you can go to Doctor A, Doctor B, and Doctor C, uh, and you know, who you like. and it's not only just the doc, but also guess what? You're going to have to interact with the office staff, and right. you're going to have to you have to gonna get to where they're ever going to to get to. You have to know about follow up plan. You have to know about all this stuff. Uh, do they return, you know, calls? Uh, you know, is the place clean? Uh, is the, so. All of that, that gestalt is important. And so when you go into the doctor's office, look around, listen. So I always tell folks, you know, go see three, you know, guys or gals, and then write down notes afterwards because you'll forget. Oh, well, was he the guy that said this or he's the guy? That... Because you go to a plastic surgeon, and you may have three different answers for what particular problem. Right. Because we're all trained a little bit different, and we have different experiences. And, uh, for example, in general surgery, there's really one way to take out a gallbladder, right? Okay. In plastic surgery, one of the classic questions we get on rounds is, give me five ways to close that wound. And you say, oh, well, let's do A. And up oh, can't do that. Oh, do B. Nope. You already took out the blood supply. Darn it. So we're taught to think like a chess match, right? right. So in that regard... Multi- multi-level... Right. So in that regard, some guy may do plan A first, plan B, first, or plan C. He's not wrong. It's just a matter of, okay, this is where I train. This is the word for me, et cetera, et cetera. So some folks uh, come in and they get a little confused. They says, gosh, I've been to five guys and I got six opinions. And I'm like, well, we all are saying mostly the same thing. It's just kind of how to get from point A to point, uh, point B.
0: Right. Do you find, I'm. Um, well, we'll talk about the breast thing because we, we just dealt with that, but do you find yourself always trying to minimize scarring? Is that kind of a a goal overall? Sure. I I would think it seems obvious, but...
1: Sure. So as plastic surgeons, uh, we create scars, right? So that's how the body uh, heals up tissue. And they've been working on scarless uh, healing for years and years. Mm -hmm. Uh, uh, Dr. Mike Longacre and his team and uh, so many other folks have been working on that for years and years. They've kind of got it down if you're a, a fetal sheep. And the reason why they use a fetal sheep is because... That research is because cleft lips and palates, right. and so what they're trying to do is, is actually get there as early as they can, fix the cleft lip and palate without uh, any scarring. Okay, so they and so they're like, well, is it you know what is it? Is it the surgical technique? Is it the fact that it's a the fetus? Who knows? So, but they've been working on that for years. And as plastic surgeons, uh, even general surgeons or orthopedic surgeons, GYN surgeons, we all we all hate scar, right? Because mm-hmm. scar leads to bowel adhesions, scar leads to contractures, especially. In the burn unit population, if you have a burn around a joint, you want to do everything you can so you, you don't get a scar around that to keep the mobility right. and extension and everything else. So so we hate scar. Uh, and so as plastic surgeons, we try to create as least amount of scarring as we can, and we get called upon to hide it. So as a plastic surgeon, we still make scars, but we try to hide it in lines that people eyes wouldn't necessarily notice. Sure. Uh, so in wrinkles and crinkles, for example, blepharoplasty, Great incision to make because you're going to hide it in the crease that people normally have on their lid and into Mm. the crow's foot a little bit. So that's a great scar. So basically you try to do that. Even on the breast, you go ahead and you try to hide the scars where the areola meets the rest of the white of the breast or in the inframammary fold.
0: It also obviously it depends season. on how how much you're gonna to have to do, and,
1: and plastic surgeons, we're used to you know working in ma- you know through mail slots, you know, and that kind yeah, of right. stuff. Okay. But even the general surgeons and, and and orthopedic surgeons and GYNs really kind of showed us the way too. Is is all with the laparoscopic surgery and the robotic surgery now. You make itty bitty incisions and you can do the operations, and it's great. So that's the thing. My dad had uh, his total hip done, right? Okay, and so I go uh, over his house to change the dressing. I come change the dressing. Okay, sure. So I come over there and the thing is about four inches long. And I'm like, where's the rest of it? he yeah. said, No, that's it. I'm like, wow. You're kidding me, right? And so I ran into his surgeon. I'm like, Really? It's this big. He said, Oh, you, yeah, Jeff, you have no idea. He says, The instrumentation has gotten so good now that we're able to go ahead and do that through itty bitty incisions, which, right. which helps um, rehabilitation and everything else. I went and I saw my dad right after surgery and he's up in like the chair, right? That kind of like, you know, yeah. That, yeah. That, yeah. That, funny. That, uh, that chair. Uh, and I'm like, what are you doing up here? He says, they put me here. I'm like, uh-uh. So I went ahead and I found the nurse. I'm like, is he supposed to be up there? I'm like, yeah, no. You know, they're uh, up in about two hours funny. now, doc. I'm like, okay.
0: Yeah, <laughs> so. it's funny how, that, I mean, technology changes, and obviously with the endoscopic surgery, all those laparoscopic, um, all those things have, have really probably changed everything for everybody, right? Yeah.
1: Yeah. Now, to your point with the scars is, so, okay, so we're going to go ahead and make a scar. So the one thing is just make it as small as you can, put it in place that as you can, and then perioperatively. One is keep tension away from it because tension is the enemy of scar uh, of of good wound healing. Right, so facelifts, breast lifts, tummy tucks are all, all by definition on tension. So that's why we don't have, especially uh, our breast surgeries, uh, lifts, reductions. Uh, and our tummy tucks, we don't want them twisting uh, right. so much because okay. twisting is going to be tension across the wound. So we have uh, one, do that. Two, there's also um, in the burn population, there's compression garments with silicone in contact with them. Hmm. And so that's really good about kind of modulating the scar as well. And there's massage of the scar. So in our office, we actually have this stuff called biocornium, which is a silicone base. With some medicine in it, which cuts down on redness, and so we really like that for the scars. So, hmm. main thing also is to keep them out of the sun. Because yeah. one, it's bad for scar healing in the first place, but then two, it also darkens up the scars as well. So, if you right. can people keep people out of the sun, out of the UV light, that's a big deal too. Now, scars typically look their worst at about four months, hmm. and better again at about ten months. So, people will come in at three or four months and say, "Hey, it's looking a little red, doc." The answer is, is yes, it is, and it's expected because that's when the collagen is most disorganized and heaped up in red. After that, things get more linear, much more straight, et cetera. And we follow scars along. And especially in our patients of color, our Hispanic folks, our Asian folks, our black folks, you got to watch out for hypertrophic scar and keloid scar. Hmm. So for them, you tend to tape things up a little bit longer. If they turn a hair, you can hit them with a little bit of uh, intralesional Uh, steroid. In other words, you inject the lesion with a little bit of steroid to go ahead and mellow that out. So yes, one is to look at it, recognize it, and if need be, then go ahead and interact. Uh, But it's a partnership between you and the patient. We talk about perioperative care as well. It's like, okay, you got to take care of this thing as well too.
0: Right. Yeah. I mean, uh, the ultimate goal is to get them where they're going to be happy with the results, obviously. With um, surgery in general, what's your advice as far as really recovery? Is it just... Like you said, generally, dot stretching, dot doing, staying out of the sun. But what are some of the other things? Is there any kind of um, vitamin stuff or so nutrition? Kind of holistic?
1: Yeah, nutrition is really important. And when I was doing a lot of reconstructive surgery, well, I did general surgery first, uh, of course. The place where I trained, there's a place that developed TPN, which is the one that they. Stick a needle into your arm, and they can actually feed you uh, all your nutrition and everything else like okay. that through there because sometimes you can't use your gut for whatever reason for a long period of time. Mm-hmm. Okay. So they beat us uh, with nutrition uh, when we were there. So now, fast forward, I'm a, I'm a plastic surgeon, uh, and I'm very much into nutrition. So when I very first came to town, I worked with the PT folks because they were in charge of, um, you know, pressure sores and all that mm-hmm. kind of stuff. And they knew I was around because all of a sudden I was uh, ordering uh, albumins, prealbumins, and transferins, which are indicators of, oh, how are we doing nutritionally lately, right? Right. Because if somebody has a albumin in their – which is a protein in the blood, and if your albumin stinks – you're not. You're going to be the best surgeon in the world, and you can swing the best flap in the world to go ahead and cover up this bed sore, and it'll fall apart.
0: Yeah, really so holistic. It's yeah. right.
1: So I tell folks all the time, yes, you have to have protein. You have to have some carbohydrates. You have to have some veggies to get the vitamin C and all that kind of stuff to go ahead and make this thing work. It's, I tell folks all the time, and especially my models that come in, I say, look, now's not the time to be on the, the, the kumquat diet or some crazy <laughs> diet that right? sometimes you guys are on. He says, you need calories, you need some protein, you need some, et cetera, et cetera, to go ahead and heal this thing up. Right. Uh, and even some folks, we delay, our, when I was doing reconstructive surgery, like the little old lady with the bed sore, right, who's in the nursing home, who's been eating saltines for six months, she's not going to be able to heal up a darn thing, right? right? So you have to get some protein shakes into her. You have to get her up and moving around. You have to get her, all the, otherwise, again, you can be the best surgeon in the world. I yeah. am not, uh, but I've been trained by a couple of them. Right. So, so yeah, so, the, again, getting back to perioperative care, planning, et cetera, et cetera. Nutrition, for me, is key. Not smoking is absolutely key. Yeah, we've uh, talked about well. that
0: before, and, and yeah. explain why that is. Well, yeah,
1: especially things that are on tension, right? So there's this old surgical adage, and I tell the medical students all you want to cut on tension and sew on no tension, right? Mm-hmm. So when you and you've all seen how things work, we take a scalpel and you press the the skin and you take tension, you what you put tension on it right. to go ahead and do that. You don't want floppy skin because you want you, you want, you want to get a Nice, it, right? Nice, straight, thing. right? So so you do your thing and you, whatever you do, and then to sew it up, you want to have things on no tension, right? You don't want to go ahead and have to you know crank it together. So so facelifts, breast lifts, tummy tucks, we talked about. Smoking, tobacco use, uh, and by tobacco use, so I, I also mean snuff. I mean vaping. I mean uh, uh, any, of that, any of that related. stuff. Anything yeah. nicotine patches, okay, gum. It's all nicotine. Now yeah. some are a little better than others. We can argue about that, but but yes, yeah, nicotine. It's a vasoconstrictor, right? So okay, so basically, you don't want a vasoconstrictor because when you put things on tension, again, facelifts, mm-hmm. breast stuff, tummy tucks, is tension's the enemy of good wound healing. Uh, and so what you don't want is anything that's going to basically constrict and not get the blood flow to where it is. If, for example, I won't do facelifts on smokers. Cause, cause, and again, not to you know, be a hard guy or whatever like that, but it'll fall apart. Uh, same thing with uh, breast surgery, et cetera, et cetera. It's bound to fall apart. So that's important. Again, we're talking about perioperative planning and what to do to get yourself in the best thing. And some people say, "Oh, should I get you know a thousand international units of vitamin C?" And they smell of cigarette smoke. You're like, okay, time out. <laughs> say right. first, you got to do that first. Yeah, and then you know, and they maybe you know ninety pounds, and you're like, okay, and then you have to go ahead and get your nutrition on, right. and then we can talk about you know Linus Pauling and vitamin C and all yeah. that kind of good stuff.
0: Um, how can people find you um, to ask you questions and find you online and tell them, explain how that. Uh,
1: sure. We're, we're, we're all over. You, you can't miss us. Uh, we're, we're, we're all over. First, uh, the cornerstone is our uh, web, our uh, web address, which is uh, www.jjrothmd.com. Uh, That's jjrothmd.com. That has our website. Uh, lots of information there. We wrote it purposely, so there's lots of information, and um, it, you can contact us through there. Um, we also uh, have uh, social media aplenty uh, as far as uh, Instagram and. Hey, Facebook. your social media guys, awesome, awesome. <laughs> spectacular. So, <laughs> right there. Anyway. Okay. anyway, so. <clears throat> uh, uh, so, so yeah, Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, uh, all that stuff, uh, and so we have information there as well. So check that out, um, and then uh, we still use the telephone. Amazing! Uh, and so you pick up the phone and uh, and give us a call. We're happy to answer. We like questions. How's that? So we like questions. If there's a question or concern or or, or you f- saw something in some crazy magazine or on TV or on the internet, so does this make sense? Call us, okay? So, and I I sell this all the time. I said, I'd rather people call me, even if it's something I don't do, as opposed to winding up in the back of a tile shop. Right. Uh, When people come in, I tell them, hey, I'd rather you spend 20 minutes with me than 20 hours on the internet, right? Because the internet's great, but sometimes it can lead you in really weird and wacky places, Mm -hmm. right? So again, you know, you got to go ahead, do your due diligence, but then, you know, come to a board-certified plastic surgeon, whether it's me or somebody else. By all means, with us we like going through the whys and wherefores and all that
0: so yeah. awesome thank you everybody for joining us today and uh we look forward to talking to you on our next episode sounds fantastic we'll see you soon have a great day thank you so much for joining us for further information please visit the podcast website link for dr jeffrey roth see you next time